I guess tonight I want to bounce off that, that picture that uh, Pastor Dave was sharing in, in Daniel 11. And he's talking about this verse from Daniel 11.32 that says, Those who know their God shall have strength and, and do great exploits. This was actually a statement that was part of a prophecy. It wasn't like he was trying to teach us about like how to do you know, great exploits and, and have strength. He was actually uh, sharing a prophecy to the, to, to the Israelites. Um, uh, and, and, and so uh, it, it, it's not really meant to be like this, um, hey, you know, this is him talking to all Christendom from here on in. But, but the reason we gather to this is because it summarizes so well um, the, 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 the picture of what Christianity is meant to do. Like, for as a, as a Christian, me knowing God has created a strength in me. Um, and, and, and through it, I've done things. I'm like, how did I do that? Like, how did I end up in this place? And, and I can only trace it back to the power of God in my life. Um, and, and so what, what essentially Daniel is saying is that it, it's not enough just to know about God. There's plenty of people. Uh, I've met atheists who know heaps about God, but they don't actually know God and everything changes in your faith when you actually know God. Like there's things that you read, well, I was talking to, to, to a science, a head of science, a, a faculty head, and, and he goes, I struggle with, you know, the whole creation story around evolution and all that kind of thing, you know, the seven day creation story. I said, here's the thing, I don't know, I wasn't there with a GoPro, I wasn't like, oh, this is cool, God, well done, or like, oh, it's actually an ape, like, oh, now he's a human, well done. And I like, I wasn't there, I don't know what happened, but what I do know is this, could God create the earth in seven days? I guess so. I'm like, exactly. If he, wa- if he couldn't, he's not God. Like, I, like, if he couldn't do it, and I don't know if he did, he just says that he did, but if he couldn't, then he's not God. So that's kind of, but that comes from me actually knowing God. I know he's powerful. I know he can do stuff. I've seen people have incredible miracles in their body right before my eyes. I'm like, if he can do that, he can do that. But it takes knowing God. But here's the thing, when people only know about God, they hear stuff and they go, well, that can't be true. Why? Because their knowledge of God, what they know about God is questionable because they don't actually know Him. And so Daniel is making this plea, this call. He's going, you've got to actually know God, not just know about Him, have deep connection with Him. But those who know God also know that when we go to God and go, God, what do you want from us? He says stuff like, I want you to be clay. But clay, being clay is frustrating because at that point, you're like, well, God, what do you want me to be? He goes, clay. Yeah, but like a plate or something? No, 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 clay. And it's frustrating because at that point, we've got to just be shaped and molded. We've got to allow the process to happen. Um, and, 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 And we just want to know what God wants to do. Plate cup we just want to know and and what in, what's interesting about Daniel is this if you actually read it and I, I preparing for this pastor they've shared out Daniel 11 and so I was like right I, w- I want to get down so I just r- read the first 11 chapters of Daniel and what's interesting about Daniel is that there's no record of Daniel of God actually speaking to Daniel direct in fact it almost seems like God spoke to everyone but Daniel all the kings got got dreams directly from God, not Daniel. And Daniel's the man of God. 
And, and, and so many times, we, there's no like, hey, hey, Daniel, I want you to, um, there's going to be like a, an incident with prayer and they're going to ban it. And what I want you to do is not, not stop praying. I want you to continue to pray. And then they're going to throw you in a lion's den. There wasn't like anything like that. There was no calling to a career. Hey, Daniel, I'd love to, for you to be a prophet in another land. Um, this is your specific calling for your life. No, he was abducted against his will plucked out from his family and his relatives and taken to a faraway land. And it's amazing. There was a lot of prayer happening and Daniel was having this deep connection to God, but God wasn't really telling him the future. There was no like crystal ball moments. Um, but when God does speak to Daniel, it's often not even about Daniel. It, it's interpreting dreams about the nation. But Daniel continued in this prayer life. And we see the pattern that happened in Daniel's life is that there was a constant conversation and it wasn't, hey, Daniel, I want you to do this next. Hey, Daniel, I'd like for you to do that next. It, it wasn't about what God wanted Daniel to do. There was a conversation that you could see about who, they want, how, who God wanted Daniel to be. When you know God, you know that the first thing he speaks to you about is not what he wants you to do. So many people, when they come to Christ, they're like, well, what do I do now? Because our only concept is like, okay, well, what do I do here? What do I have to do? Tell me what to do. I'll just do it. Give me a task list. Like to be a Christian, don't, don't give the bird to people in traffic. And okay, I didn't today. So tick, I'm a Christian. Like, and half the auditorium went, Christ darn it, missed it. But what you find is when you know God and have your relationship with Him, the conversation He has with you is, who do I want you to be? <laughs> For example, when you meet parents, and this, this isn't just something that God, this is, we buy into this too. When you meet parents, you don't go, hey, you know, what's your hope and dream for this kid? They're not like, well, doctor, um, I'd like for them to... Um, you know, finish school a year early so I don't have to pay so many fees and just be a childhood genius. Um, I don't want them to, uh, I, I, I would like them to generally not be a criminal, you know, like those kinds of things. What they actually say is, well, I hope that they're a good person. I hope that they're nice because parents aren't interested about what their kids are going to do. They're actually interested in who their kids are going to be. For you, you, you have the same thing in, inside of it. It's a principle that we all have, is that if you had a choice between a spouse who had a seven-figure job, but the job that they had was ethically questionable uh, and, and, and potentially criminal, um, but they did the housework, but also in that home they, uh, they, they were violent and, and, and abusive. Or you get a spouse who only earned 50K, but was the most wonderful person you could choose to spend the rest of your life with. One does all stuff that is great, but who they are is terrible. And one person doesn't earn as much. What they do isn't as great, but who they are is wonderful. Now, very few of us would take option one, apart from trying to like get a divorce settlement and trying to get like half of it. I don't know what you're going to do. Some of you are like sly. You know the kids at school who's like, you know, who would do this? And there's always one kid like, I would. And you're like, yeah, good on you. You're a champ. But the reason we'd pick that person is because who we are is more important than what we do. Because who we are shapes what we do. They're a terrible person. That marriage eventually will crumble. You don't fix people. 
if this is, if I can give just a little hint to, to single people or people who are still dating and you haven't like agreed to it, well, even engaged people, you haven't, the ring's on the field, you haven't signed, I, I may have said something weird then, but a little bit of feedback, um, make sure they're a good person before you marry them. Because the amount of people I find three years down the track and they're like, I didn't know they were like this before I married them. And you're like, there's ways and means to find that out. <laughs> Definitely find out if they're a good person before the wedding day. Up until that point, even before the walk down the aisle, it's still okay. I've seen the wedding singer. It works out. You marry Drew Barrymore. And Drew Barrymore is awesome. And we can't all marry her, but you'll marry her like similar. But who we are is more important than what we do because who we are shapes what we do. That's why God says, I want you to be clay. Because it's a statement of position that he doesn't want you to be pottery. Hey, I would like you to be a cup. And we go, oh, well. And we like, how can I fashion my life to be what you want me to be? No, God's like, I'll figure that out. You just be clay. You trust me, I'm good. He doesn't ask you to be crockery. He doesn't have a sorting hat which divides us into what we're meant to be. He just asks us to be clay and it's uncomfortable because our attention and our focus goes to what we want to do. That's why we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and when we're asked to be clay, we get frustrated as humans. And, and, and what we end up going back to God is going, tell me what to do, God. Don't tell me what to be. Tell me what to do. I just, I, I'll be what you tell me to do. You know, like we get frustrated and we spiritualize it too. We, we, we try and act really holy instead of like, you know, openly being frustrated with God. We're more like passive aggressive and we're just like, I'm just, um, I'm just waiting for God to speak to me about the will that he has for my life. So I just want to know what the will of God for my life is. Or this is a classic one. Um, I'm just waiting for God to speak to me about what to do next. And what we're hoping God says, plumber, teacher, social worker, mechanic. And that's what we want from God. We don't want clay. A potter, Lord. Um, and the reality is that people have actually, because they've misunderstood the will and the call of God, what they've mistaken the will and call of God for is a career or a five-year plan. Let me just break down the will and call of God for a second. The will of God, can you read that? Who said no? Sit, come down, sit in the front. You remember when your teacher said that? Who can't see that? Only one kid and then they end up sitting in the front. You're like, sucker. You learn never to say no. I'll go in blue just for you. It's the kind of guy I am. That's going back to green. But the will of God, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was going, not my will, but your will be done. And, 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 and then the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus taught us, was, was literally to say, um, um, thy kingdom come, should uh, name a conference after that. 
thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. So the will of God is equal to earth looking like heaven. I'm slow at this. Thanks, Jase. The will of God is for earth to look like heaven. Peaceful, loving, pure, not debaucherous. I, in my scientific opinion, would probably say that earth in its current societal state doesn't look like heaven. So the will of God is for us to bring heaven to earth. So what's the will of God for your life? It's not plumber. It's bring heaven to earth. Question, can you be a teacher and bring heaven to earth? Yes, you can. It's few of you like bad memories of teachers, like no, no teachers, <laughs> especially maths teachers. That's hell on earth. There's a few maths teachers in the crowd. Can you bring heaven to earth if you're a plumber? Can you bring heaven to earth if you're an electrician, if you're a teacher? Like, go on and go through the, yes, you can. No matter what career you have, you can be right in the will of God if you're bringing heaven to earth in your workplace, in the way that you interact with people. The call of God, people go, well, I want to know the call of God for my life. Well, the call of God, when, when, you, when you see what Jesus did, Jesus comes to earth and what does he do in his ministry? What does he leave behind? He made disciples and left behind disciples. And as he's leaving to go on to the cloud, he goes into Matthew 28 and he says, go into all the world and make disciples. I'm not going to write as much this time. Ooh. You guys do this. So the call of God for your life and what He's called every single person to is to make disciples. So what's the call for your life is to be a discipler. It's the noises I make. That's what's funny. Me going, is it an L or an E next? Can you make disciples if you're a jockey? That's just what came to my head. I only know one jockey, in the ex-jockey in this church. Yeah, now you're all trying to think, who's a jockey? The call of God for your life is to be a discipler. So people are going, what's the will of God for my life? What's the call of God for my life? What you're waiting for is go to, go to university and study science and go and be a marine biologist or something like that. And that's what you want. But God's going, Clay, bring, bring heaven to earth. Make disciples. Be clay. I'll mold you. I'll shape you. And, and, and for so many people, um, the, the, when, when, when we actually do discipleship properly, you've got to realize that we actually do bring heaven to earth. When you actually sit with people and you develop them and bring out the best in them, 
and, and, and you help them to be a better person, that's bringing heaven to earth. It's one more person who's not adding to the problem. They're actually adding to the solution to the problem. But we're talking about Daniel. And Daniel's disposition that he talks about, it was to God. It was this relationship and this closeness to God. And so let's have a look at this guy who's got this walk with God and this closeness with God and this intimacy with God. In Daniel 1, uh, the, you've got the story of basically they've been just taken out of captivity. Uh, they've just been taken out of Israel into captivity. Daniel is a prisoner. He's a slave. This is not like something you aim towards in life. Like one day I want to grow up and be a slave. Like, but this is what's happened to this guy, right? He's literally a slave. And, and what they're trying to do is they take him into the king's service and they're trying to wash his culture away. They're, they're trying to like teach him all the things of their nation so that he doesn't remember things of his own nation. And, and, and so they picked him out of this whole group and there's a whole bunch of them. And, and so he's feeding them on the king's delicacies and on the wine. And, and Daniel just goes, you know what? You can change my location and you can change some of the things that I do but you'll never change who I am. And so who I am says no to these things. And so he goes to the guy and he goes, look, um, look, I'm happy to participate in the program mostly because I have no choice in it. But I'm not going to eat the stuff that you're forcing me to eat. I'm, I, I only want to eat vegetables. And so they go, I can't do that. And there's this big conversation. He goes, trial it for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, we get this verse. In Daniel 1, 15, at the end of 10 days, because um, not only Daniel did it, but his three mates, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who you heard about in the video. It says, at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier, better, and nourished than the other men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine, and, they were that, um, and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. See, Daniel was a guy who made a simple decision. He took a simple step. And he goes, you're not going to compromise who I am. And in doing that, not only did God honor it, but what it did is it created a, a ripple effect that started to affect the guys beside him. Eventually, by the end of the program, they were all actually rejecting the king's delicacies. They were all rejecting the, the things. That, and, and Daniel, in taking his step, affected the people around him. You go into chapter, uh, chapter 2 of Daniel, and, 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 and the king has a dream. And obviously, he's been burnt before by previous people who have interpreted dreams. And he goes, here's the thing. I've had a dream. I want you to interpret it. They went, great, tell us a dream. He goes, no, uh-uh. I'm not falling for that again. He goes, I want you this time to not only interpret the dream, but I want you to tell me the dream I had, then interpret it. And if you don't, I'll kill you. Not only will I kill you, but I'm going to kill every wise man in the nation, which included Daniel and his three mates. They didn't interpret, obviously, because that's pretty much impossible. And so uh, the first that Daniel hears about it, there's a knock on the door and basically said, well, you know, some guys in a room failed to do a task and so we're going to kill you. And Daniel goes, wait, 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 I didn't get a shot. You, you didn't give me an opportunity to do this. And so Daniel goes, give me a moment, give me some time, let me just sleep on it. And he goes and seeks God. And then that night, he not only sees the dream that the king had, but then he interprets it. And, and we join the story at this point in Daniel 2, uh, verse 46, he comes up to me, interpret, he goes, this is a dream that you had, this is what it means. Then it says this, King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and offered uh, and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. 
the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, the revealer of ministries, for you were able to reveal this ministry. And a literal pagan king is suddenly going, your God is incredible. That's a big moment in, in like history, that a pagan king in a moment goes, oh man, I've, your God's the real God. That's big. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position. So Daniel just starts getting promoted. Um, He lavished him with gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon. What? Hang on. The nation he was brought to be a slave in, he's now ruling over. What? He placed him in charge of all the wise men. The wise men were the guys who were going to get killed. Now he's not only one of them, and now alive, but now he's ruler of them. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while him, Daniel himself remained in the royal court. Are you not seeing the pattern? Daniel takes a step, not because of like stuff he, he, he does, but does because of who he is. The guy was a man after God's heart. The guy was a man who wouldn't be compromised. And so he takes a step. And what happens? There's a ripple effect into the people around him. He takes another step. What happens? There's a ripple effect in uh, in the people around him. But by the end of it, the steps that he's taken has meant that there's no compromise on him and his mates. Then there's a no compromise for for all the guys in 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 the program. Then he takes another step and the king over all, like the largest... Um, armies of the known world at that time is starting to worship God. He takes another step. He starts saving the people around him from death. Every time he took a step, it just rippled out into the people around him. Daniel created an environment around himself. It was a fruitful environment. Have you ever noticed a tree never eats its own fruit? Because trees fruitfulness is never about you getting to enjoy it. People go, oh, I want to be a fruitful Christian. And what you're trying to say is, I want to, I want to be so successful then I get to eat of the plunder that I've grown in my life. But fruitfulness is always about the people around you. Taking steps is always about the people around you. Daniel's life always impacted the people around him and he made their life better. 500 in three big letters on a stage is just to signify that as a church and as a community, as a family, we want to take steps and we're believing for them to ripple out into the people around us. Some of you guys are praying for your family and some of you guys are even preaching to your family and it hasn't worked and simply because you haven't taken your step. Because you've been standing there criticizing them all for not taking their step and really what you should just be focused on is what's your next step. They're waiting for a Christianity that makes sense to them because they can see the fruit of it. This is who we're called to be. People whose life infects the people around you. That that people are better off when they're around you and your faith. So how do you create this environment? He was just a master of being clay. He was just a master of being clay. You read the first 11 chapters of Daniel and see how many times Daniel just prayed went God and you don't actually hear much record of what happened in that prayer time there was one time he prayed and for 21 days there was zero answer 
until an angel came on the 21st day and go, said, glad you didn't stop praying. Oh, cool. <laughs> so am I. You're terrifying. <laughs> Daniel was a master of being clay. And because of that, he became the master of being strong and doing great exploits. And what God created in him shaped then what he did because the people around him were greatly affected. Once you know who you are, then it, you know what to do. And so God's priority is not to tell you things to do, it's to help shape who you are. When you know who you serve, you know what your priority is. Daniel says in 11.32, those who know their God shall have strength and do great exploits. My journey, we were, share, we were chatting about in the car down here. Josh is my chaperone, my hired uh, driver for the day. I pay him in, in hugs, um, which he didn't realize before he drove me that that's a deal. But, um, And we were just talking about the type of people would be without Christ. Like what I would be. And we started to paint some pretty bleak pictures of ourselves. Maybe because we just got low trust in who we would be without God. But I don't know who I would be without Christ. I'd probably be able to do some kind things and probably put on a good show for everyone. But the corrupt of what's happening in my heart would be horrendous. And I know who I am compared to uh, who I am being clay is far greater than who I am if I was trying to create myself. And so Daniel, what he's trying to say is that you've got to get to know God before you get to know what you've got to do. Daniel was the master of just going, God, I want to know you. And out of that, he automatically knew what to do. There was no like God moment in Daniel 1 where God goes, I want you to eat just vegetables. No, Daniel just went, oh, this is who I am. I don't compromise. There's no point when you're reading through where like, you know, oh, look, there's going to be, you know, a big statue and you've got to bow down and worship him. You don't, uh, you know, they're going to throw you in a furnace, but don't worry, I'm going to be in there with you and you're going to live and everyone's going to be amazed and worship God because of you. No, there was not, like, the, God is remarkably silent. He just goes, come on, be in my presence and I'll show you who to be. And out of that, we'll figure out what to do. Because the goal is knowing God. The goal is, is taking a step towards God and in doing so create an environment where other people can do it too. There's people waiting for your step. For some people here today, you haven't taken that step ever before. You don't know God. You might know a lot about Him. You might have gone to a Christian school and been through those awful chapels that they do. And so you know heaps about God. But you actually don't know Him yourself. Or maybe you're going, you know, I used to be close to God, but I'm not anymore. In fact, my Christianity is basically about ticking boxes and doing things that I know I need to do. But I really don't know Him anymore. Today, I want to invite you to restart that relationship with God today. And I can't make the decision for you, but you can. So how about in a moment right now, how about we close our eyes? I want to pray. God, I thank you that tonight people are coming to know you. I thank you that tonight people are stepping back from the faith in God, which is all about, well, I got to do this and do that and do that. And now they're stepping back into, I got to be this and be that. That's who God's called me to be. And tonight, God, I pray that there'd be a revelation in people's hearts about who they are, not what they're doing. God, I pray that you speak to people right now in this moment, that you move in their heart right now and 
will show them who you want them to be, not what you want them to do. Your priorities, God.